Where are your roots? Where do you belong to? Where do you feel at home? How do you know where home is? You are listening to the Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast, and I am your host, Marco Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering interesting topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers close to you in your ears. Today we are talking with Tatiana Krajic, who did the Creative Mornings Munich January uh, 2020 talk on the topic Roots at Velvet Space Coworking. If you were there or couldn't fit in the crowded space to see Tatiana's talk, please go to creativemornings.com slash cities slash muc slash talks or just to our show notes. Tatiana is a seasoned communication and PR manager. She started her career in Frankfurt and continued in 2014 to Singapore, where she worked for more than three years. She has developed communication and marketing strategies for a broad range of media and marketing clients. Today, the native Serbian finds herself in Munich as a senior project manager at HV Design. She also takes care of the sponsorship management for Creative Mornings Munich. Let's start with your talk. Uh, it was uh, it was packed. There were a huge amount of people. There were more than 80 people, and uh, actually, we were prepared for about. 40 people to have seats, um, but everybody fitted in though. But uh, uh, how, how did it feel when you saw that? Oh my God, this place is so so full of people and crowd is so like tight. <laughs> yeah, true that. Like I, I think it was amazing, and I, uh, as you say, I mean the place just fitted um, having 40 people seated. But I think the energy in that room was amazing, and I think everybody just found their place. Everybody got just co- got comfortable in a very natural way. Some were sitting on the floor, some were sitting like on tables, and Velvet Coworking Space, where we hosted the event, they went above and beyond. And I mean, they had like breakfast bites from five different countries, and I think that was just amazing. Like the effort that they put in. And it was just great to see how many people. And I mean, when I look at it today, I think like back in January, I would have never thought that a kind of like gathering like that wouldn't be possible today. You know, like having the opportunity to speak like in front of more than 80 people is just wonderful. And it felt kind of like very natural to me. Like, and now it's like, I look back at it and I'm like, wow, this isn't like at the moment possible because of the pandemic. and Yeah, so yeah. I, I even cherish that moment more and I'm like um, I'm looking forward to be doing this soon again like and meeting people and having like the opportunity to speak in front of so many people live and not online yeah, so, yeah that, that was the actual uh, opposite of the social distancing there it wasn't two meters it was like a two centimeters distance it from totally from yeah. yeah yeah okay uh, you talk about roots and uh, you have a very personal um experience on, on, on that respect. So your parents came to Germany as Gastarbeiter, guest workers. Um, what did it mean to you uh, as, as opposed to, um, they were not immigrants, but they were Gastarbeiter. Yeah. So my parents originate from Belgrade, Serbia, and 
1969, they decided to come to Germany um, to pursue some work here. And the intention was from their side just to stay for a couple of years, gain some money, and then um, repatriate back to Belgrade. So the times back then were just quite different from today. So it was like, I'm speaking of the 1950s until the 19, early 1970s. And it was a time when there was an um, economic boom in Germany and people were like Germany was recruiting a lot of like labor workers um, to do jobs here. And one of the countries that signed this kind of labor agreement was former Yugoslavia, my parents' home country. So this is an opportunity they sized upon and they came to Germany and their belief was just to stay for a few years because initially all of these guest workers who came from, you know, they came from Italy, from Greece, from Turkey, just to name a few, they had limited um, residency here in Germany. So they were given like one year of work permit here. And then they, the German government just realized that they have more from people if they, if they give them an extended amount of residency, because like they don't have to do the onboarding again, it's much easier for them. And so they extended their stays and the opposite of a guest worker that that terminology as opposed to an immigrant is an immigrant just went somewhere or goes somewhere and intends to stay in that country and never returning back and guest workers were just like it was just meant for a few years and then they will go back to their home country and a lot of them did a lot of them returned to their home countries but also a lot of them just stayed just like my parents and when I was speaking at Creative Mornings um, about the topic of roots and I felt I, I wanted to explain that terminology of a guest worker, in my mind, I thought the terminology is well known because during my upbringing, it was common. It was common for myself. It was for my parents, for society, for politicians to use that term so I thought like you know probably everyone will know it will be familiar with it and a few people after the talk they approached me and they said like you know we have a similar background to yours like my parents also came as guest workers to Germany um, which was beautiful to hear and just exchange like you know experiences that we have and there were others who said to me I've never heard of that term of a guest worker and that was like, you know, surprising to me, but it was also like indicating me that the dominance, this kind of terminology used to have, doesn't have anymore. It shifted and maybe we just shifted and used another term. Now, now when we move somewhere for a couple of years, then we call that, we call these people experts, like, experts, so, yeah. so it's not a guest worker anymore. It's just yeah, maybe a shift like in, 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 in terminology that we're using. Yeah, there could be also kind of a generation a gap between understanding that term, uh, that term, cast uh, arbeiter. Absolutely, and, and I mean it was a term that was like used for a very long time. I mean, like only like you know, I think maybe ten years ago that that the the chancellor said like we we can't go use we can't use this terminology anymore. We can't call these these people anymore guest workers because they are part of society and they're not. Um, so sort yeah. of for per permanent guests. Yeah, permanent guests. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then uh, you were born also here in Germany, um, yes. but but uh, but German was not your first language. 
No. Um, Serbian was actually my first language. And I mean, both of my parents are from Belgrade. So Serbian was their first language. They've been raised um, in Serbia. And of course, they wanted their children to speak the language. And I wouldn't say that German was excluded from my home because both of my parents perfectly speak German. They came here and they, you know, signed up for, for, for German coursework. And they said, it's important for us to speak the language in the country that we're living. And it's also like a kind of like respectful demeanor that they showed. And it was really important for them to, um, to master the language, but they wanted us of course, like also with a mindset um, of the intention of going back to Belgrade. They wanted their children to be able to integrate into society there and have it easy. And that's maybe, I look at maybe like look at it maybe from a, rather pragmatic point of view but there is also also emotional perspective on it because of course as a parent you want to talk to your child in your mother tongue because it's 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 kind of like a bonding and it's 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 getting you closer together and they also enabled us uh, through this and to speaking the language having a closer relationship to the culture in Serbia and to our relatives, which wouldn't have been possible. And the thing is like, I mean, um, when you, I mean, just think about it. Like when you travel somewhere like you um, and you speak the language of that country, like the way you bond there is com on a completely different level. You can understand the people better. You can understand the culture. You can uh, read between the lines and that is, you wouldn't be able like to do that with a simple translator. That's just not possible. And to me, like speaking a language, I love languages and I love learning them. And a language isn't just learning the grammar. A language is about the tone. It's the dialect you have. It's the gestures you make when you speak. It's, it's kind of like you develop a feeling towards a, a language. And that's really important. And you observe people in that particular country, how they speak and um, how they communicate between each other. And so just learning the grammar just won't do the job. You will be technically good. But you won't. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like if you think about the Italians speaking uh, German and using Italian hand hand movements and expressions, and it's it's, yeah. not, it's, it's a mismatch, really. Totally. Um, you you were bilingual uh, as a kid, so uh, and a, a daughter of a guest worker. Did it have any impact uh, when you were a child? And in your how, how did you feel about that? Well, I th it was kind of like natural for me to be raised bilingual and it was nothing like, you know, what it felt, felt weird, weird to me. I mean, like German was always like there. It was never excluded, as I said. But I mean, my best friend was German. Like I went to German school. I went to German kindergarten. So um, it kind of like it felt natural. And there were other kids who had a similar background to mine and they spoke also their mother tongue in their homes. So there were quite a few of us like in the same position, but I think it also like, it kind of like indicated also, and it showed that we, we had a different culture. We had a different way of living maybe. And, and it kind of like differentiated from the people here, but you know, my parents always had a very close relationship to a lot of like, they had a lot of German friends, like, and it was really important for them like to to have this kind of like um bonding with the people here and they found really great friends in that sense so we 
it was always I, I don't think it was like kind of like a problem with two so it was more like a richness enriching your life uh, absolutely i think like i mean now even i think about it from a perspective that i even cherish it more being raised bilingual and i think it's super important like it kind of like makes you sensitive towards other cultures but it also like maybe helps you pursue another language or you like you hear one word that you know from your mother tongue you're like oh yeah that's kind of like the same word that we use in serbian or something around that so it's always definitely i think enriching and i'm blessed that i've been raised bilingual great in in your talk you mentioned uh, that you uh, you have a serbian passport and uh It yeah. was it was very important to you uh, in in uh, in what way? <laughs> yeah, it was really important to me. So it was like I mean, I was um, the thing is when I was I was born and raised in Germany, but I had I didn't have permanent residency until I was sixteen years of age. So I always needed to renew my passport um, for of my residency every one or two years, and. Back in back in my childhood days, I kind of like I felt more Serbian or I defined myself as a Serbian. And I thought like there is either one or the other. I can't be both. And because we always had that talk in the back of, you know, um, and we had always had that talk with my parents that we will go back eventually. And when with the, that in back of my mind i was thinking like yeah i'm going back and i'm serbian and that serbian passport like is like kind of like a tie from germany to serbia and it's kind of like holding that piece together and it's it felt like super important and it it there was a turning point in my life and it, it happened like when i was at the age of like 20, 21, something around that. And I applied for a job. I wanted to work as an air hostess. Um, and the airline granted me the job and rejected it. <laughs> At the same time, they said like, you're great. We would love to have you on the team. The problem is your passport. Like we can't give you the job because there are destinations where you would fly to and you would need a visa or you would potentially need a visa on arrival. And there is a minimal risk, even there is a risk, even though a minimal, that you might be rejected at the border and we can't take that risk. Risk. And to me, I mean, back back then, I mean, I was 20 and I was thinking like, I'm probably not going to go back or not going to relocate to Belgrade. I live here and I want to have the same opportunities just like everyone else. And why shouldn't I have them? And then I decided to um, apply for German citizenship. And it was very surprising to me to see how little that passport meant to me when I applied for German citizenship, because I went there and I had to had to agree that I'm going to give up Serbian um, citizenship the moment I apply for German uh, citizenship. And so I signed it and it was just more of a feeling of excitement. I was like, I just can't wait to have that German passport in my hand. And I didn't feel I lose anything because I realized in that moment, it's just a thing. Like what counts is what is within me um, and not a thing like a passport. Right. Uh, you also uh, worked in, in Singapore for a while. That's a bit different from Serbian or German <laughs> environments. 
<laughs> it is. I mean, like I've worked there for almost like four years and it's been an amazing experience that I had there. And I always wanted to pursue um, an opportunity um, to live and work abroad. And I worked in PR and um, I, I worked for a major PR agency that had a lot of like offices um, worldwide. And I petitioned for an opportunity and it took me around a year until I was granted the opportunity. And I have never been before to Singapore. So I literally jumped into the cold water and, and I said, yeah, I want to do it. And I went there and to me, Singapore, like, I mean, when we speak about home, as I spoke about home in my talk, it's like, it's also home for me. It has always, it will always have a special place in my heart. And I've been there for almost four years. And to me, it has been, um, I made a huge jump there, not just, you know, uh, to another continent, but also like emotionally and for my personal growth and for um, the experience that I had and, 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 and business wise and what I've learned about myself. And, you know, when you go somewhere um, by yourself, as I did, it's, 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 it kind of like pushed me completely out of my comfort zone. You're like not in your home country. You have to, you have to get new friends. You have to get to know the market. You have to understand the culture. Um, you have to navigate through a complete new environment and it's not always easy. It's not always, as we say, it's not a walk in the park always, but there were, I mean, more dominant where the most beautiful times and it's just super beneficial. And I would recommend it to everyone who wants to pursue that opportunity to just go for it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> soon after, after this current situation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just think about it. I mean, like now, like, you know, going for an international assignment is just not possible. Like, and who knows when we will be able to do that again. And that's also something like, you know, like I was able to do that because it was, it wasn't in a time like when, when pandemic was dominant, dominating our lives and our businesses. So it wasn't a time when, when we were free to do everything and we just have to get aware that we shouldn't take things for granted as we used to and focus on things that are really important and what we want in life, because we all have a certain time here on earth and we should think about like in what way we want to do it we want to live our life because my mentor always says life can change every day every day like and from one day to the other we are being just in this lockdown situation where we can't even meet friends we can't go to a cafe which was just like a natural for us and now this has been taken from us and this is really a time where we should refocus on what we want in life. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, in your talk, you uh, mentioned the amount of um, migration in, in the world. Um, and, um, but the thing with, with people is when they move, uh, they don't just move themselves uh, or their stuff, but also they move the experiences and uh, the cultures with them. If we take, for example, the uh, German and Austrian people who speak the same language and they look pretty much the same, uh, but they really are not. So you talk about this uh, kind of a surface culture 
uh, like Brazilians and Kaibirinha. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? So in every culture, there is a kind of like surface culture and then there is a kind of like deep culture. And I described it with a, using a model which is called the cultural iceberg, which refers to when we look at an iceberg, we have above the surface is kind of like 10% of that iceberg. And below that, there is this huge chunk, which we don't see. And so putting that into perspective, like in terms of like surface and deep culture, surface culture is that 10% what we see on a culture. It's maybe the music, the language in their country, the, um, the art, um, the sports that they do. So that's everything, the food maybe. And, and that's all that we see initially, but there is much more below it much more subtleties that are not visible for us. I mean, just Marco, just remember when we had our last creative mornings session that was live, that was actually where we were like physically able to see each other and have that session in March. When we spoke about um, that we have to keep distance, like in terms of Corona and stay at least one meter away from a person, you said like, in Finland, a person would say, like, what, just one meter distance? That's yeah, so really, close, really. <laughs> that's really yeah. close, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. If you can reach, you can, I mean, if you put out your hand, you can touch the other person. It's, it's really close. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's a cultural thing. Like in other countries, it's like completely normal that you like, you know, you hug people and you kind of like show the affection to that person. Like, and it's like, that is a deep culture, like, you know, like in terms of like how, what tone of voice is appropriate. Like a friend of mine, she's, she's Canadian. She's married to an Italian and she says, every time before we plan a trip to Canada, I have to sit down with my husband and tell him, like, you really have to watch your tone when we go to Canada because it might be considered as rude and inappropriate because he's he's just getting loud and talking and being very enthusiastic and doing a lot of gestures. But Canadians seem to be very noise sensitive. And she says they might feel, you know, a bit maybe uncomfortable, like if you do that. And those are subtleties that we see. So it's kind of like how cultures um, look at family, like what kind of beauty concept they have, like um, like hierarchical thinking, like um, how much distance how is appropriate, how much eye contact is appropriate. And so that's also like, you know, these are like things that you don't visibly see. I had that situation. I traveled to Brazil and um, a friend of mine offered me to go for a walk um, in the morning at the beach. And she called me in the morning. She said, like, um, well, listen, I just have 15 minutes to walk with you. But, um, you know, that's fine. I'll just pick you up. And I, in my mind, because I knew where she was living, she would take 30 minutes to pick me up, 30 minutes to bring me to the beach, and then 30 minutes again to get to their home. And I thought like, this doesn't make sense. And in my view, I thought like, she wants me to reject. Yeah. And she's offering just of politeness. And I said like, you know, Marta, don't worry. We'll meet another time. Like when you have more time. And then a friend of mine approached me and says like, you know, Marta was really hurt, like, because she really wanted to take you to the beach and you rejected. 
And I was very grateful that this friend of mine told me about it. And I said, that's maybe just a cultural thing. And it is a cultural thing indeed, because like we had clearly like this misunderstanding and this different perception that we have. And that's the thing, like we look at cultures and we misinterpret things like there's, you know, there are cultural differences, but they're also like, it's not only the culture, but they're also, it's an individual thing about, and we have to, we have to be aware. And, you know, for once also, you know, learn to appreciate and understand cultural differences, but also like see that there are also like individual differences, like when we go to a country, because that's the thing when we just see cultural differences, we easily um, put, um, put uh, a label on people. We stereotype things and we put them into boxes and say like, Oh, you know, that's the culture and that's how they just are. But it's not just how they are. It's maybe that particular person is in that way. And we have to be aware of that. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you, told, you, you told yourself that you were labeled as German, uh, when you visited Ser- Serbia. So <laughs> yeah. uh, how did it make you feel? Gosh, I, I wasn't happy about it at all. Like I was like, because back in those days, I, I kind of like saw di- things in a different perspective. And I thought like, you know, I'm Serbian and that's what I want to be viewed as. But I mean, growing up here, I, you know, I certainly wasn't fully Serbian because my education was German and my friends, you know, my surrounding, my everything, my entire upbringing. And so I kind of like, um, when I, when I went to Belgrade, which was like, kind of like always my place to go. Like every time when I felt bad, I felt, I found comfort there. And when I went there and people started like saying like, Oh, there she is, the, the, the German. And yeah, you're blonde, you blue, blue eyed. And yeah, you look German. I kind of like, it kind of like didn't, didn't, I didn't make me feel comfortable because like, I thought like I'm a foreigner in Germany. I'm a foreigner in Serbia. Like, where is my home actually? And this is kind of like I that kind of feeling that and the, those kind of like labeling that I have experienced during my upbringing and the uh, the difficulty, like you know, um, defining for myself what really home is and where do I feel comfortable and how do I myself feel comfortable. It was like this kind of like resonated so much when I saw the topic of roots and I thought like, you know, speaking about like where home is and what kind of importance it has. Um, I thought like, this is like something that I, I want to contribute to and I want to talk about um, to, to a greater audience. You, you recited uh, part of the Whitney Thomas's poem from 1991 colors. Um, I grew up in a yellow country, but my parents are blue, I'm blue, and so on. Um, what does it mean to you? I I came across this poem while I was doing the research for my talk, and I was reading a book um, which is called Finding Home by Rachel Jones. And that book contains a lot of essays, um, um, exploring the realities of lives of children um, that are being raised internationally. And it was in that book mentioned. And when I read the poem, I was like, yes, it's kind of like it explained 
everything, how I felt all these years. And she put it in just such an easy way in a very beautiful and it was very much relatable to me because when I grew up here, I didn't want to feel different from the others. I, but I was different and they kind of like also people gave me the feeling that I was different and it was kind of like tearing me apart in a sense because like I didn't feel fully comfortable here and I didn't feel fully comfortable in 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 Belgrade so it was like kind of like I was it was very relatable to me and I think it's a very good poem that depicts the feelings of of cross-cultural kid and what they're going through and the important thing is about like you know life we all want to have we all want to have connections in this world and we want to have like you know people who are around us who 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 cheer for us who who lift us up and um especially when you're young you're very vulnerable you're going through a phase especially an adolescence phase and and it's which is already a confusing phase a phase but when when you feel then excluded and different, it kind of like makes life even more difficult for yourself. And I think like it also like brought me to a point, all of this and, and that I kind of like struggled and I felt not grounded and I felt that I was missing something and I felt disconnected and I was lucky. I call myself very lucky. I found my mentor, Anna Alrost, and she, she taught me to follow my heart. And, um, she always gave me a nudge uh, when I, when I needed it. And when I still needed to, uh, to pursue, uh, an opportunity or to go, just go for my dreams. And she made of that shy girl. Um, she helped me to become this confident woman that I am today. And she would really find me to listen to myself and to uh, believe in myself and to find my own voice. Right. You, you also mentioned when talking about the home and, and calling a place home is a two way street. So uh, you need to get the feeling back, um, like in a, being in a relationship with another person. So what do you mean mean by that? Well, it's kind of like, I mean, when you go somewhere and you're being well received by people, it kind of like gives you a good feeling. And it's like, and I compared it like to a relationship because, um, I have been in relationships where I, um, gave a lot of myself and I just didn't get uh, the same amount of love and appreciation back. And it kind of like, it empties you and it just gives you the feeling like, we don't belong to one another. You're not giving me a good feeling. And so is that I compare that also like, you know, with feeling somewhere at home, because we do have a lot, um, people moving around in the, con in, 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 in the world. And so that this movement won't stop and we will be confronted like with, you know, there will be more cultures and more influences coming along the way And, um, and we just have to, and when we go somewhere is like, basically, I mean, when, when you go somewhere and you, you, so you decide to set your base, like, um, in Munich, you want to have, you want to feel welcomed. You, you don't want to feel different. You want, you know, want 
a good feeling from that people back. And this is what I mean. It's not a one, one sided affair. It's uh, going somewhere and, and, and setting your base. It's two sided just as in a relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to like have a certain level of feeling of belonging. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, it's also a subtle feeling. I mean, you go somewhere and you say like, yeah, I do feel comfortable here. And, you know, and then other places where you say like, no, I don't see myself here. And it's also like, kind of like indicates here if you belong there or not. But if you say like, I do belong here, I do want to, you know, I want to have that echo back and I want to have like, you know, see that in people that they welcome me in a good way and make me feel comfortable. That's really important. Yeah. Um, you asked, uh, actually, this is uh, related to, to that one. You asked the audience that where, where do they feel at home and, and how do they know that where the home is? So, so what would you answer to that question? Where do you feel at home? Well, I was thinking about it. Like I, I wouldn't even call home a particular place. I wouldn't even say like, I mean, I have many homes. Um, I would say, I mean, I consider Frankfurt my home where I've been born and raised. I consider Serbia as home. I consider Singapore as home. So I think it's less of a, like a particular place that I consider as a home. It's more of kind of like a feeling that I have. And if I, I mean, like just, I mean, wherever I live and if I know I have my family and my my friends around me they're always kind of like with me they're like in my thoughts and um we can connect and we can talk and so it kind of like they also give me like a kind of feeling of home and um so i wouldn't necessarily put it in in one particular place and say oh it's munich that's my home because it's yes it is my home in a sense but it's like um it's more of a feeling that I have that I carry so with gonna, me. So that's a, the, wherever, wherever I, I lay my hat, that's my home. Is this like a good description? Do you think? Yeah, kind kind of like maybe that that kind of like grabs it like and kind of like describes it in the best way because um, I can easily like you know find myself comfortable in new places and because I've been traveling and i've relocated elsewhere so yeah it's kind of like putting it in that way as you say it yeah uh you're also an essential part of the creative mornings munich team Mm -hmm. Um, how did that happen well i got to know creative mornings when i was living in singapore and i thought it's a brilliant format Um, it's, um, it's happening in so many, and I think in more than 200 cities worldwide. And I, I just love the initiative of, of, um, of, of hosting events and giving some inspiration to the, uh, to the community and just, and when I was living in Singapore, I actually wanted to join the team there, but I think like maybe two weeks later after I thought about it I decided to relocate back so I said to myself the moment I'm going to be living in, um, in another city where creative mornings exists I'm going to apply for um, for uh, volunteering with them and I came to Munich um, um, almost one and a half years ago and 
And I applied. I went instantly to the February session last year and I loved the session about symmetry and I applied and I thankfully got accepted. And I think it's a it's it's a fantastic team that we uh, work in. Um, everybody is from it's a very international team and everybody is like dedicated to to giving their best and to making this format even better and better every day and we're just growing immensely and it's just um wonderful to be a part of it and see how how much joy we have as a team and how much um how how great it is to see uh, a community grow and i love connecting with people um, I love being a part of the team and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to many more, um, many more of these sessions. Yeah. You, you've been uh, in an organizing, organizing team. So how did it feel to be all of a sudden in the front, in the center and spotlight <laughs> on your face? Yeah, it was, it was completely different. Like it was certainly a change. Let's put it this way. And I, um, I'm usually the one I'm pulling the strings in the back. So I usually scout locations and I, um, I, I'm, I'm with speakers or I pitch speakers. And every time when they get nervous, I'm like, no, don't worry. It's all going to be fine. And I had to transfer all of that, like, to me and just focus and saying like when I got there um, to, um, to, for the talk, just to say like, okay, you're not going to get organizationally involved today. And the team was just very, very cute and very caring. And they just treated me like any other speaker, which was fantastic. And um, yeah, so it, it kind of like I've, I had, I kind of like stepped out of my comfort zone, which is a great thing. And I mean, I learned so much and, um, I mean, there were also like moments where I'm like, gosh, this is like, you know, it's really intense and you, I spent a lot of time and putting a lot of effort and, and I decided, you know, when I wanted to do that talk and when you, when you uh, prepare yourself for the talk, you were like, also like you I had two goals. I wanted, and I hope I I managed that. I wanted to have a great talk and I wanted to also enjoy it. That was, that was a very, very important thing to me because like many times, like we work towards things, but when the moment happens, we didn't enjoy it. So we just put a lot of effort in it. We put a lot of work. We worried, we didn't sleep well. And, and I said, I want to enjoy it. And I so much enjoyed it. I loved the energy in the room. And it was like something like, I thought like the topic is really relevant, especially in these days today, like so many people feel disconnected. And I think it's like a perfect topic to speak about, like, um, about the topic of roots and yeah. All right. Thank you, um, Tatiana. But before we let you go. Uh, there's this uh, question we ask of, uh, from everybody. Uh, we have our guest here. So what does creativity mean to you? So creativity to me means trying things without fear. It means that you can liberate yourself, just creating yourself and, um, and letting your, um, giving yourself the liberty to tap into your inner pool of resources, of knowledge, information, and experience that you have, like, and, 
and bring that to life because like if you just think about things and if you're just thinking about like you know how you would like to do things but you don't take that to action it's not actually it's just like um imagination but it's like it's not you have to put it like out there and you have to just i mean when you look at you know companies or look at initiatives that are happening right now like like you have to as a company and as a manager, you have to make sure that you create an environment in your team where they are allowed to make mistakes, where they are allowed to um, try things without the fear of failing. And that makes people creative. And it's also like, it also makes people creative to give them the liberty to, if they say, I'm more creative if I worked at home, for instance, then that is the way to go. Because as a, as an employer, you have to trust your employees and say like, if this is what makes you more creative, I trust you because what counts is the result, what comes out. And if I just limit people and say like, no, you have to be in the office and you have to be in this particular environment, you're just killing creativity. And, you know, looking at the current situation, like where we have literally to reinvent ourselves, like in terms of like, um, how we we will not only survive, but how we will redefine ourselves through this and how we will uh, change through this. And um, I've watched um, a talk by Simon Sinek. He shared it in an online meeting with, with his team that he had, that it is about either reinvention or turning on the survival mode. And he said, like, these are not us unprecedented times. And um, this has happened before, like that companies and businesses had to reinvent themselves or they, they, they just didn't survive. And when you look at it, like in the past, there were like, for instance, like video stores, like they came out of business because of streaming, because they just didn't uh, manage to reinvent themselves. So it's just also like looking at things from a different perspective, like, and how we can manage it. And when I look at the initiatives that are taking place right now during Corona pandemic, I see a lot of creativity, like that is, that is coming to shine. Like, and it's kind of like in Germany, we say necessity is the mother of invention. That's kind of like a proverb here. And I looked, for instance, like in an Instagram account by, um, it's called Tassen Kunz Quarantine, aka Between Art and Quarantine. And it kind of like um, shows genius recreations of arts. So it kind of like encourages people to copy great artwork by posing them, uh, by posing and, you know, recreating it and, you know, picking an artwork and and just using items from at home and, and sharing these pictures online. And you have to look at it as just a fantastic initiative. Or you see like orchestras, which usually perform um, like in theaters, like they now perform from their home office, like, and they stream, they do online streaming where they get together and still perform their music, which is just beautiful to see. So there's a lot of creativity coming to life at the moment, which is wonderful to see. And um, yeah, it's just like um, reinventing yourself and seeing what's out there and how you can, you know, what's, what's within you. And this is the best time to be creative. It's the best time to uh, reinvent yourself. 
If you like what you've heard and you want to help out the podcast, please go to Apple Podcast or to your favorite podcast provider and leave us a rating and review. That would be awesome. Our thanks to Tatiana Krasic and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren, at Huima Production. Our jingle was made by Sasha Ende. Follow us on Twitter at Munich underscore CM and Facebook at CMMUC. Use hashtag the Pretzel Podcast when you tweet about us. 